Father, we thank you for Kaya. We thank you for the journey that you've taken her on. I thank you for those joyful times and the difficult times. And I thank you that that has shaped her more like you. Uh, We receive her voice. We receive her voice. Father, I pray that you would um, bless her words. Holy Spirit, I pray that your spirit of revelation would be in this place, that we would uh, receive what she has to say and maybe even just a part of her history and a part of her anointing that she carries, um, that we would receive that. Um, And we just welcome that in this place. We welcome her voice, we welcome her power, and we welcome her journey. And we thank you for the gift of Kaya, and we pray that you would bless this time with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's hot today. (laughs) Um, This church is such a a blessing to be a part of. Greg's already got me crying before I even uh, start today. Um, It's just a privilege to get to speak. Uh, I love getting to work so closely alongside uh, Brad and Greg with the crew. Um, uh, We have such an alignment of heart. We, even when we're kind of talking about the messages in the last few weeks, we were we were scared we were going to steal from one another <laughs> in what we were going to share. Um, and so it's been such a beautiful uh, thing to get to just journey with, with these guys. Um, Brad usually talks for a very long time. I'm not so much of a talker. Uh, so <laughs> this could be really short or really long. We'll, we will see. Um, But I don't want to so much give a teaching today as much as kind of share a bit of what the Lord has been challenging me on and stretching me in in the last couple of years, which really relates to many of the things that Brad and Greg have been talking about over the last uh, couple of months. So I hope that's okay with you today. Um, The reality is what I share today isn't really what you're going to go home with. It's only what the Holy Spirit writes on your heart today that you're going to go home with. And that's my prayer today for you. Um, it's kind of funny. <laughs> so many times um, I've had people come up to me after I've shared and they're like, this is what God shared with me about your message. And I'm like, I didn't even say that. Like, <laughs> in the beginning, I was like, I would get really frustrated because I was like, that wasn't my point. You didn't get the point. And then I started to see the beauty of the Holy Spirit and how He speaks to, to each of us uh, so individually. Um, so I wonder if right now we could just take a moment. Um, and if you can, put two feet on the floor. Yes, even you, Rochelle, feet down, yep. And just put your hands open on your your legs. And it's just a posture of attentiveness towards him. And in your own words with him, just have a conversation about how you're feeling, laying down the things that are distracting you. And then just invite him into this moment.
Lord, we thank you for the gift of your presence, that it's so close. And Lord, I ask for a grace of a deeper awareness of your presence throughout this time. And Lord, would you speak to each individual heart in the places that they need during this time? We welcome you. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of years ago, I was doing a contemplative meditation type exercise uh, on Psalm 23. And during that time, the, the Lord gave me a very, very clear picture that I've never been able to forget. It's, it's right there in my mind all the time. And, and just so you don't think I'm super spirit, it doesn't happen all the time where I get these real clear pictures. It was, it was one of these rare ones. And in this picture that I saw, um, it was like I entered this massive room, like a massive banquet hall, and there was this long table right down the middle, real long, so long that I couldn't even uh, see the end of it. And on the table, it was filled with food, delicious food. The Lord knows my heart. Uh, All this food, grapes, everything. And it was kind of as if myself and a whole crowd of people came in at the same time, running joyously to come and sit at this table and to begin to eat. And it was like some of us had, had come in from playing, others of us had come in from working hard, but we were, it was like it was time to come and eat and enjoy this, this feast at the table. And so I come in, I sit down, I start eating, I see people throwing grapes at one another. It was just this real joyous, joyous moment. And then I looked down the table and a, and a few seats down from me was an empty chair. And in that moment, I saw that empty chair of which every other chair was full. And I look up at the head of the table of where the father was seated And he was looking at that empty chair and was concerned about that empty chair as well. And in that moment, I get up from my seat and the person next to me gets up as well. And I I realise that I'm wearing armour, like cool silver, old school armour. And I walk up to the head of the table to the father and he stands up. And without me actually saying the words, we, between our eye glances, I, said, I was saying to him, I'll go, I'll go and bring that person home. And he pulls down my helmet on my head and kisses my forehead and me and this kind of sidekick that I had, it's kind of like a Batman Robin thing going on, but with blonde curly hair, um, we head off and, and then the picture, picture ended. And for me in that moment, that, that picture meant, uh, meant a few things. But as I've reflected more and more on that picture, I saw the invitation of God to be in a crowded room with so much going on and to see something and recognise his heart. 
in Matthew 5, 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And that they will see in the Aramaic is a, a present tense, not just future. And in the Greek, it is a progressive tense, so they will continually see God. So there's an invitation that we can see God now. But I don't know about you, but my guess is that as you walk through your everyday life, you don't see physically, you see Jesus. You don't walk in a room and he's over here and he's like, Woo, I'm, over, I'm over here. And I, I'm, I also don't think he's like playing that game, you know, we do with, with kids, that hot and, hot and cold go game where you hide something and you're like getting warmer, getting warmer. Hot, hot, hot. And the kid's like trying to find the thing. He's not like that. But I think it's more like what Jesus talked about in John 5 where he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. And I don't think he literally saw the Father. I think he saw his heart. It's also like Moses and the Israelites. In Psalm 103, it says that the Israelites knew his deeds, but Moses knew his ways. So the Israelites could look back on something and say, God was in that, God did that. He parted the Red Sea. But yet Moses had this different relationship with God where he knew the heart and nature and character of God that he was able to walk with God. And that was the difference as when they saw the mountain with the lightning and the thunder and the fire and the Israelites looked at it and were like, we are not going up there. Whereas Moses, who knew the heart of God, was able to step into the cloud and have an encounter with God. I want to share just two stories of how God's kind of shown me these uh, two things, showing me these things. Um, that's, that's quite challenging. And um, one is how we can see God's heart for places, and the other is how we can see God's heart for people. Uh, in 2018, I was invited to take on the role of lead pastor of a church in, in Bangkok. And at the time, the, the previous pastor had had to step down from the role because of a, a moral failure. Um, the, so the leadership was kind of a little all over the place. There was an unhealthy culture. People were leaving the church. Um, they were in financial trouble. They, they were in the red. They were struggling. And on top of that, the building that they had leased for eight years prior to this, um, was the lease was coming to an end. And the owners were like, we are upping the price on the rent. Sounds like these days. We're upping like the price on the rent and you're going to have to make a decision whether you're going to stay or not. So as I walk into this role, the board kindly just hands over uh, these issues to me and are like, have fun. <laughs> so when it came to um, 
finding a, a new space for our, our church to meet, uh, we, we kind of looked through all our options, right? Do we, do we stay where we, where we are and try to find uh, ways to generate income to be able to stay here? Because everyone loved this space. It was a really, really cool space. It was in what Thais call the, the HISO area of... Uh, of, of Bangkok with the expats, a lot of money, hence why the price was going up on the rent. It was just a really cool, cool place. So we all wanted to stay, um, but realised quite quickly that that wasn't going to be a possibility. Okay, so then there was this slight lead with another church, um, but then they found out I was a female lead pastor and wore shorts sometimes, and so they were like, we're not going to allow you to preach in our church. And then, so that fell through pretty quickly. And then through real estate, we found this other really cool space uh, in the same area that we were in. The only problem is that it was more money. And me being like, I love trying to inspire people to do something. I was like, oh yeah, I reckon I can use these strategies to be able to get people on board so that we can move into this, this space that's bigger. But then it just didn't feel right. And then we were about six weeks out of having to move. And uh, this lead came up. Uh, in this place which was about 30 minutes out of where we usually were and it was in the red light district of an area called Patpong. And so I'm like, I decided to go and, and check it out. I'd never been to this side of Bangkok before. Uh, and we, we walk up these steps right in the middle of the red light district and into this space which used to be used for, um, it was called, in, the organisation was called Empower and it was used to empower women and men into uh, sex trafficking and, and prostitution. And so we walk into the, to this space and it was disgusting. Uh, it was old, it was messy, it was, they had left everything everywhere, it was just gross. But the moment I stepped in there, I was like, this is it. And I looked at my, my board me member that had um, told me about this space and he was like, this is it. So now came the point of having to convince the rest of the board members that this was it. So we take them there and they're not very well convinced by what they're seeing. And they said, Kaya, so you're telling us you want to move us 30 minutes away to another area of town and the place doesn't have parking. So they have to park at the local mall and pay for their parking while they come to church. Yep. And then they have to walk a kilometre through the Bangkok humidity in their church clothes and they wear pants in heat and walk up four flights of steps because the owner said the lift's so old it breaks down sometimes and you might stop midway. So don't use the, don't use the lift, you're going to have to walk up the steps. And they have to walk through the red light district to get to church. And I'm like, yes.
in the natural, it seems stupid. It didn't coincide with all the church growth strategies that I had studied. I've also been in uh, meetings with well-known church leaders that you would know the names of that have said to, to, to people, if you're going to plan a church, plan it in a rich area because you need their money to be able to sustain your church. And I just don't see that in Jesus. I don't see that in God's heart. When God sent his son, he had him born in Nazareth. Even one of his own disciples said, what good comes from Nazareth? And then he does his, his ministry in an area called Galilee. And this is how, in Isaiah, it talks about this region. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. This was a land of deep darkness. It had been a land of deep darkness because of the idol worship that had taken place there for many, many years. Child sacrifice, prostitution. And yet, this is where Jesus comes. Because he comes and he says, this is not the destiny of this place, of this city. And he's like, I'm coming and I'm going to change that. And he's looking for a people that will see and follow his heart into those spaces and say, that is not the destiny of this place. What good can come from Rockingham? The reality is most of us are not going to go and plant churches in, in red light districts or anything like that. So how does this apply to our everyday? God is just as intentional with his church as he is with where you live, where your businesses are, and your workplaces. And the challenge I am kind of constantly like to challenge myself with, I should say, is how is where I'm choosing to live and where I'm choosing to work align with his heart. So once my lease of where I lived in the Hiso area finished, I went and moved to the end of the street of the red light district. 
intentionally so that every day when I went and got food, because I can't cook, don't ask me to cook anything, (laughs) that I would have to walk through the street to get to the store, to get food. So it gave me daily points of contact with the people and with getting to bless the street and the city. Intentionality. It's so easy to stay in our comfort. Do I live where I live because I like it? The trees are great on my street. Or how can I position myself to be in a place where I'm impacting and seeing myself as a light and life and blessing to my neighbourhood? So we were in that space for about a year before COVID hit. Uh, And when COVID hit, uh, obviously the red light district shut down, uh, everything shut down. We weren't able to meet in person. I ended up flying back home here and was leading the church online for over a year on Zoom calls. Everyone loves Zoom, right? And it came to the end of 2021 and I was starting to think through vision for the... Yeah, I don't even know what year we're in. Uh, Yeah, 21. (laughs) And I was starting to think through vision for the next year. And so I gathered my core leadership group that I'd been building and I realised that it was going to be time that, you know, the red light district was going to start coming back. The, The community was going to start coming back, tourists were starting to come back. And I was like, this is our opportunity, church. Like, this is our opportunity to really get in early, to start loving on and be really intentional in loving on the people of this city. And as I shared this with my core leadership team, and I was like, what do you guys think? Thinking they would be all on board. They were like, we don't really care about those people. We're not really passionate. We're passionate about other things like refugees in the city, passionate about those living in the slums, but we're not really passionate about those in in the red light district. And I don't know anything more that can break a leader's heart (laughs) than feeling like you've captured God's heart, that you've got a vision and you've got dreams for this place and you share it with your team that's going to help you carry it out and they're like, "Mm, nah. So fast forward to a few months ago when uh, Greg and Brad invite me to uh, step into the role of managing the crew. Now, please wait till the end of this story to make a judgment on me because if you judge me too early, (laughs) you may not think I'm a very good person. But, so they asked me to step into this role and I'm wrestling with it with God, to be honest. I'm wrestling through the fact that I kind of enjoy just getting to volunteer when I want to volunteer and spend as much time with those people as I want to. Uh, and it's on my, you know, it's on my level. 
what I, I can do as much or as little as I want, but now I'm actually going to have to be there all the time, more than one day a week. And what else I wrestled with God through the process, what I found myself saying to him was, I'm just not that passionate about the homeless. I'm actually more passionate, God, about the red light district. And in that moment, it was like a little love slap across the face. And he took me right back to that conversation with my leaders. And instead of them saying to me, I'm now saying it to God, as he is very passionate about the homeless. A group of people that are so close to his heart. You cannot read this book and tell me that he does not care about the poor or the homeless. So now was the test. (laughs) See, before in Bangkok, it was easy for me to step, even though it took some courage and bravery, it was easy for me to step into that because I already had a love and passion for those people. But see, the test of our maturity is not our love for those we find easy to love. The test of our maturity is our love for the outsider, the one who's not like us, the one who's most difficult for us to love. And now he's asking me to step into something of his heart that I don't necessarily feel trusting that he's going to show me his heart along the way. And what I've learnt through that journey of how to, to do that and to see it, it is it's all through story. You cannot hear a person's story and not fall in love with them. We naturally, human nature, find it so easy to pick out the faults and the problems of people. You can name any person I know and I'll be able to tell you what I don't like about them and what frustrates me and annoys me. Amy, do you want to start with you? Yeah. <laughs> You're perfect, Amy. You're the only one. That's <laughs> it's true, right? Like, if we're really honest. But Jesus knew what the world thought about the disciples that he chose. He was very aware. He was very aware that they weren't educated. He was very aware that they were despised by by the world. He was very aware of Peter's temper. Yeah, he still chose them. And he saw something in their hearts. It may have been covered by a whole lot of dirt and rubble, but he saw something and in walking with them, he called out. And that's what we get to do. We know we're truly loving someone when we're less concerned 
about how they make us feel and more concerned about calling out God's original design and destiny in their life. And that's a whole nother sermon on how we can do that. (laughs) But the invitation is to see his heart in each individual. It's there. So how can we practically help ourselves to engage in seeing his heart for places and people? A few ways that have helped me. The first one is rest. I think silence and solitude are kind of disciplines that the the current church doesn't do very well at. I don't want to give a message on the Sabbath, but a weekly day, a day of the one day of the week, where we are not working, where we are just abiding in Him, where we are doing things that bring us energy and enjoyment, that we're spending times with our family. Our souls need that. And I also like to practice a daily Sabbath. Um, it's a principle that I once heard called the one-third principle. Uh, your day is made up of, of three, or well, three-thirds. So morning, afternoon, evening. One-third should be rest. I also think this needs to go away for that one-third. Often it's not the enemy that is stopping us from seeing God. It's our own choices of distraction. So rest. Secondly, This is his heart, right here. We have to be reading this. We have to be. Thirdly, continue on the heart journey. There will be nothing more that will rob you from seeing God's heart than your own orphan spirit. So many times, and again, this is me sharing my my failures but so often it's I can walk into a room and have the attitude of I'm here do you know who I am I've arrived the other side of that which I also know too well is I don't feel worthy in this space I don't know if I really belong here insignificant Both are the orphan spirit. If we're really going to be about others and loving others, we've got to know first the Father's love for us and who he created us to be. And we have to continue on. That's a continual journey with him. And the fourth thing is to daily begin asking the Lord, what's on your heart? Show me your heart for this place. Show me your heart for this person that I'm struggling to love. Some days you may not see anything, but there'll be days where it's like he's right there in the room with you. As I've been reading through kind of the Gospels uh, and the, the, 
the stories of Jesus' birth leading up to Christmas, I am reminded that he came to his own people and they didn't recognise him. And that scares me for myself, that I could walk through days and not even be aware of his presence when he's so close. And in Luke 2 and 3, we're introduced to three people that recognised him. Simeon, Anna, and John the Baptist. Anna, they said, was a widow and she spent all day, all night in the temple for like 84 years. She would have seen many babies come and be dedicated to the Lord, but that day, when Jesus as a baby came in for his parents to dedicate him, she was like, that is the Son of God. That is the Messiah. Same with John the Baptist. Crowds everywhere. And on that day, he pointed and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He recognised him in an instant. And I believe that it was because of their purity of heart. And by purity, I mean single-mindedness, single devotion, a hunger to see God and to know His heart. So we're just going to take a moment to, to respond to Him. I trust the Lord's been, been speaking to you. but I, I believe the invitation from him for each of us today is to see him with greater clarity, no matter where we're at. And if you are wanting to see differently, we would love to pray for you. that you would see his heart in your everyday, that it would be somewhat become a new normal for you. Because I believe that's his heart, is to partner with you in showing you what's in his heart. For some of you, response may purely look like repenting of your distractions or repenting of the other things that you've allowed your eyes to see. Some of you responding may look like just crying out to God with a hunger. God, I want to know your heart. God always responds to hunger. So if you want to start to come forward and receive prayer, then please come.
Holy Spirit, we thank you again that you are here, that you're so present. Lord, we repent of not always being attentive to your presence, of being distracted and worried about other things. Lord, would you come purify our hearts? God, I thank you that you desire to partner with us in seeing your will come to earth. That you love to share your heart for people and places with us. So Lord, would you give us eyes to see? Eyes to see your heart. Ultimately, it's a gift from you, God. So we come ask boldly, Lord, for your eyes.
we're just going to uh, keep this ministry time happening. So if you, f- you feel you want uh, prayer, please continue to come up. That's completely fine. But you're also uh, free to go. Uh, thank you for, for joining us this morning. There's morning tea outside uh, that you can enjoy. Um, yeah, thank you for coming.